Hello, everyone. Thank you for having interest in this. Unfortunately, this short podcast episode that I'm posting will probably get more clicks, more views, more interactions than all the other ones that I post. That sucks for me because this is not what I do. I'm more interested in having discussions with students, longer form conversations about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes, where we talk about ideas I'm interested in, they are interested in, and ideas that you are probably interested in too. So if you could at least follow my Instagram, Uniting Narratives, that support is huge. I really appreciate it. I'm still working to improve. This is a, It's kind of a hard thing to get in front of a mic and a camera and talk, but um, we're getting better, as, uh, as you can do with anything. So keep an, keep an eye out for some cool episodes, and if you want to come on the podcast, DM me. We'll talk about it, and we'll, we'll make something happen. So as far as the evidence, the quote-unquote the evidence that I'm bringing up today, I think that even in these 10 to 20 minutes, however long this ends up being, I'm going to explain the articles, three articles from Dr. Harrington and one lecture from Erica Bakayoki. But this isn't sufficient for you to form your opinion. It also includes my opinion, so it's um, so you want to look out for that, and you also want to just go read these articles. So you could just pause this video, go into the description, read the three articles, and then watch that lecture, and then you'll be able to form an opinion better than the opinion you could form after this video, because your opinion that you're going to form after this video is probably heavily influenced by my ideas, my represent uh, or my perception of her articles. And, um, and yeah, just go into the description and check these things out for yourself, save you some time. I'm going to post this anyways, because I said I would elaborate on some evidence because I thought that was lacking in the prior claim that I responded to. Okay. The first article is called why are incels turning themselves into girls, which is a kind of clickbaity title. To keep in mind, she's writing on this thing called Unheard, and it's a site for people to write on. I think that she probably attracts a certain population of people, probably from the right, and these headlines are to get those people to click on the article and read it. So keep that in mind. Um, I'm just going to read the first few paragraphs, and the first... uh, I'll read... Yeah, I'll read the the first and the fourth paragraph. A new report from Sanjana Friedman forgive my pronunciation, at Pirate Wires documents a phenomenon that's been a source of discussion among the extremely online for a little while and has now made it into the open. Quote-unquote, transmaxing is a subculture of young men who embrace trans identities not because they believe they were born in the wrong body but simply because they can and because they think it'll make their lives better. Okay, that's, that's concerning to me. It's interesting. Very interesting. And it's most interesting because, she says, not because they believe they were born in the wrong body. And when I think of a trans person, I think of someone who's made these decisions because they believe, they're convinced that they were born in the wrong body. And I, they're their own person. They can make their own decisions. And I respect those decisions. Um, but her claim here, this transmaxing thing is simply because they can and because they think it'll make their lives better. So it doesn't have that. Like... Uh, gender identity dilemma involved that just seems odd to me the fourth paragraph says many trans maxers though modify themselves just because they want to and then in parentheses she says examples are shown on this 73 page trans maxing manifesto 
so the manifesto is linked here and I clicked on it and I read it and I never want to read it again um, I never will don't read this honestly don't read this it's like genuinely in my opinion it's genuinely disturbing but she lists or he or they um, the individual who wrote this manifesto writes about uh, the first page is 18 potential benefits from transitioning from male to female that's the kind of headline under transmaxing transmaxing in big text um, like this bothers me kind of because it didn't I didn't think that this was what the transgender movement was about right and I think a lot of transgenders would say this is not what it's about so I'm gonna list the benefits and then that's all I'm gonna read about the rest of this article um, we'll move on to the next but keep in mind this is not dr. Harrington's words this is the words of this person who wrote this quote-unquote transmaxing manifesto benefit number one sexual excitement from having a feminine body benefit number two the superiority of female aesthetics benefit number three access to the transbian dating pool four full body orgasms five multiple orgasms from penile stimulation like, I'm actually sorry that I'm reading these these are kind of disturbing six you will feel emotions stronger and be happier on estrogen seven your breasts will become your breasts will become sensitive eight being able to attract cis lesbians nine being able to attract high-quality males for sex like I, it, some of these almost seem kind of like joking but they're not like number number 10 is softer skin and less to no acne like that's a serious benefit I want that right uh, 11 live longer 12 being able to extract resources from males 13 you will no longer be driven to do dangerous and idiotic things due to testosterone 14 stop and reverse hair loss 15 people will treat you better if they think you are female 16 less likely to get killed 17 access to female spaces 18 cheaper car insurance i don't know if that's true um maybe it is so what you could critique about dr harrington regarding this article and bringing up this quote-unquote movement is that it may influence readers that this is the transgender movement which it clearly is not but Mary Harrington doesn't say it's the transgender movement. I mean, she's very clear on this, that this is a, a subcategory of a larger group. And she's critiquing that category. She's not critiquing transgenderism in general. And it's a, quite, it's a very short article. Read the article. Please do. Um, so, so, yeah, that's, that's my thoughts on Article 1. you got to read it. Article 2 is much longer. It's, it says, can you really be non-binary? Um, here is also not just a critique at people who say they're non-binary. It's not. That's not what it is. She's not just attacking those people. What she's doing is she's taking specific individual. Travis Alabanza. In um, they wrote a book called None of the Above, and then Voice of the Fish, which is a lyrical essay by Lars Horn. So another article that you just have to read I'm not gonna talk too much I'm really not gonna talk about it I'll read one um, I'll read one excerpt from it all right 
here's one paragraph. Alabanza declares that, in quotes, the initial act of deciding I am not a man or woman was to gain autonomy for myself, end quote. Harrington continues here. But the desire for total control over one's own self-definition raises the question of whether it's even possible to have social meaning. After all, if no one else contributes, such meanings are no longer social, as such. More troubling still, if definition is felt as violence in the context of gender, does the idea of definition as violence apply to language too? And what does this mean for our ability to communicate? So she's talking about philosophical dilemmas here. Um, I would, I mean, I think if I thought a lot more about this paragraph, I could, and in its context with the article in its whole, I think that I could critique her, right? And I could say, well, I don't really agree with this. And that's fair. But when I read this article, I mean, when I read this article in whole, and specifically that paragraph I just read, like, think about how these ideas are... Um, at least engaging ideas, and there's no hate. There's no hate here. She said more troubling still, right? Because it's a confusing dilemma that she's trying to work through. She's trying to explain. I don't see hate here. It's my opinion, but I don't see hate. Moving on to the third article. I'm not really going to talk about the third article because I, I don't like it. I read it through. I just wasn't very engaged or entertained. Um, but, like, for here... I just stuttered like 10 times. Look at the headline. Trans activism has mummy issues. Like if you read that headline, you're going to be like, this woman sucks. Like she's weird and a loser, <laughs> right? But I mean, if you read the article, she actually goes into these very deep ideas about um, second wave feminism, gender identity, and how it's affected by the maternal figure. So like you should read this one if you're interested. Um, but this is a, it's hard for me to really disagree with her on this stuff. Like I said, she speaks intelligently and she speaks fairly or she writes fairly. I don't know much about the feminist movement. I, I someone else who is more, um, involved in this arena would, would be able to critique it better. But on my prior point, like, I don't know, she spends a lot of time thinking these things through. And I'm not, I'm not saying I endorse this trans activism has mummy issues. Um, like I said, I think that that headline is really to just attract clicks. I think that's what she's doing here. And I'm not going to hate her for trying to get clicks. I mean, she's trying to make a living for herself. She's a professor, so. Um, but yeah, this article I'm really not going to get into at all. You should read it and, and then form your own opinion. Like I already said earlier, uh, yeah, I'm going to move on to Erica Bakayoki, who was kind of grouped into this uh, dilemma or this uh, controversy. And she, you know, she wasn't actually criticized in Katie's video at all. Katie's made sure to specify that she was talking about Dr. Harrington. Um, but I watched this lecture on Dr. Bakayoki, and it's, it's linked in the description of this. Please watch that. Please watch that because I think it's, um, I think she's a very intelligent woman. I think she really cares about the society and the community of colleges, and I think that she has good criticism for it. So she talks about the uh, fundamental differences between the sexes, like just uh, biologically and physiologically. She says that men have a stronger libido or sex drive than women do. She says that women tend to desire it less powerfully and think about it less frequently than men do. 
I don't have a study to say that that's true, but I think we know that that's true. She continues and cites data that says many men report that they would prefer sex early on in a relationship and are quite, excuse me, and are quite willing to have sex with a new acquaintance outside of a committed relationship and desire to have multiple sex partners. Now, she's not saying every man does this. She's saying the studies reflected that a substantial group of men answered questions that correlate to this data here, these claims. And I think that I think that her saying that made me realize about the importance and the the danger is not the right word, but like vulnerability is not the right word either. Delicate. I'd use the word delicate. Like sexual relationships are delicate. She said that women report they would prefer sex early in relationships and due to the hormone oxytocin's effect on women's bodies during sex, they also become more emotionally attached during and after sex. That's why I think it's delicate. Because men, in particular, need to keep in mind that you know, even if a woman seems to be receptive to just having sex and that it doesn't, quote-unquote, like, that it doesn't matter or that, you know, they're on the same page... Like, physiologically, maybe we're not on the same page. This is something I haven't considered at all. She says that the consequences of sex emotionally and physically are... I stopped a quote there. That's my bad. But she was saying that the consequences of sex emotionally and physically are greater for women. And then she said, and this is a quote, After all, women get pregnant and men do not. True. True, right? So... You know, you might say, well, we have contraception now and they don't need to get pregnant. And she would respond and say that it's a false security, right? I mean, people, women still do get pregnant all the time. So it definitely is a false security. And, um, and yeah. So the last thing I'll mention about this is, this is a quote. She says, sexual asymmetry is the fundamental reality that the potential consequences of sex are far more immediate and serious for women than they are for men. Okay, that's the quote I was talking about when I cut myself off and I couldn't find the quote. So, and this is a woman saying this, so I think she knows better than me, right? Um, and I think that she speaks with a turn of truth. So that lecture is really good. Listen to that lecture. If you don't have time, listen to at least at the 10-minute mark, listen to um, the 17-minute mark. And um, I think that you'll probably appreciate what she has to say. I just find it ironic that we're trying to not let these women come to campus when Dr. Bakayoki has something very important to tell us about a dilemma that we face as college students. So um, I'm going to end this video here. Or this, uh, I'm going to end this recording here. Thank you for listening to it through if you did. I know I didn't have great analysis. I know I didn't have great evidence, but I think it's better than nothing. And it's far more than I could have included in that short video I posted on Instagram. So, like I said, please support, please follow. I really love that I'm able to do this and I have the opportunity to pursue something um, as hard and as fun as this.